Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. You know, this, this, this is, this, okay, the next 30, 40 minutes, you know what, this is about, this is about catharsis, okay? Yes. That's how we're thinking about I'll, that. I'll this accept is about, that. This is about purging ourselves of something. This, this is about healing. That's what this is about. You and I need to heal from our experiences in these saw traps. We have been through the saw trap of the saw franchise, and... It's time to realize that we should appreciate life just a little bit. Oh, John, are you recording? I am recording, yes. I am recording as well. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the final episode of the Saw Retrospective. We have survived. Um, we've we've we, made it out. We are, we, are, we are covered in blood and slime, uh, and we have spent the last 10 hours locked in an abandoned, decaying industrial warehouse Watching every single one of the Saw films. And, and who, who would have guessed that the final Saw trap was being lashed to a, a rusty chair while every C-tier comedian does their bit on cancel culture? Um, like, okay, before, before we get started, I, I said this before we started recording, but for people listening, I uh, on this show, we do not like to be unnecessarily negative there have been films that i have not liked there's been films that ash hasn't liked there have been films that we have both not liked but always those have resulted in some of our best episodes where we have constructively tried to talk through and and recoup something of the good in horror cinema um and so so i like to think of it as like when we have a film that we don't like we're not mad we're just disappointed right we for what <laughs> For what could have been. And I want to I wanna warn our dear listeners before we start. We're not disappointed on this one. We're just mad. <laughs> yeah, see, usually, usually when we come up against a movie that is, uh, you know, just bad, I, I see our role as that of a gardener. You know, we're here to till the earth, right? And we're here to plow under these failed crops so that next season may have something beautiful. Um, but now we're here to salt the earth. I, I, I think we're here in hazmat suits with flamethrowers, and and we're here to make sure that spiral can never again surface on the face of this earth. Yeah, well, it, this is this is this is going to be this is going to be good um, because this film is systemically, structurally not just not just incompetent, but actively reactionary and and just awful and it is going to be a lot of uh cathartic fun for us to try and purge ourselves of its of its content yes where would you like to start where would you like to start ash well we should we should start with some formal qualities of this movie and i would like to start with kind of the taxonomy of the bad movie if you will yeah yeah okay so i, I was thinking about this while i was watching spiral from the book of saw i, I was thinking about bad horror movies right um, it, and it kind of occurred to me that you could do a taxonomy of bad horror. So I sat down and I tried to create the taxa of bad horror. And I came up with these three clades. 
Um, so we have three groupings that your bad horror movie can fall under. Um, you have so bad it's good. Uh, these these are the horror movies that are are so bad they're they're just kind of funny. Like Killer Clowns from Outer Space is the example that jumps into mind right now. It's uh, a silly I film. would I would I would throw in Giant Spider Invasion. Hmm. That's perfect. You know, h- half the MST3K movies are horror movies that are so bad they're good. These are just funny to watch yeah. with your friends and make fun of, you know. You know the yeah. kinds of movies we're talking about. And, th- and then we have Unwatchable as another quality of bad horror movies. And, and these horror movies, they-, they fail on a technical level and they fail in such a way that makes them incredibly difficult to just sit through. And this could be a scripting issue that makes the movie just honestly really boring to the point where there's no point watching through it. They could be movies that have a really awful sound mix. You can't hear what anybody is saying throughout the film. They, they could have filming issues so it's like so dark or blown out that you can't see what's going on. But just on a technical level, they become literally unwatchable. They, they, they're difficult to absorb as a piece of cinema. They have failed technically in the extreme. Um, and those movies largely forgotten, largely erased from history <laughs> because of well, those Well, I think... Yeah, I think that that that's probably a, a smaller category. Uh, you could maybe include some of like the super cheap early trauma stuff as being like some people might call that unwatchable, but like generally, I I feel like that's quite a rare quality nowadays. Yeah, I mean, like I I when I when I think of unwatchable, I think of like grab grab one of those like Mill Creek Entertainment five hundred horror drive-in classic DVD box sets. And a lot of those movies are great. There's a lot of like gems in those box sets, but like there's maybe like two or three per box set. That's just like the audio is so washed out. I have no idea what anyone's saying throughout the entire movie, which makes it just technically unwatchable. Yeah, absolutely. But my final clade here, the last part of the tax uh, is movies that are insufferable. And uh, what do I mean when I say insufferable? I mean, movies that should be not movies that should not be suffered to live. Uh, you should not suffer these films, right? You, you should not condone their their continuation. You know, the, these are movies that are actively engaged in, in a reactionary political discourse that, that that causes them to become salted, right? Like like these are, you know, like, like these are those uh, attempts at creating a future-proofed warning for a radioactive site. You know, there is nothing honorable here. There is a harm <laughs> to the body. That harm is not physical. Do not go here. <laughs> we need to genetically engineer a kind of cat that glows when it gets near a spiral DVD so we know not to be there. You know what? I actually really like that t- uh, taxonomy and... um. Yes, I know exactly which one of those three categories Spiral from the Book of Saw uh, fits into. Spoiler alert, it's insufferable. Um, I, I, the, and the only thing I even found mildly interesting in this movie was the new voice of the new Saw puppet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. And that's just, they, they just picked a, a femme-coded computer voice a couple days before finishing the edits because they couldn't decide on what to do and they never really developed that or do anything interesting with it. It's just in and of itself mildly interesting. The ride, the ride uh, Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's, if you're looking for the positives, that's probably where we're going to stop because the, the rest of our kind of, formally, this film is a mess. Um, it's got some absolutely dog shit ADR in it um 
it is the uh, a huge amount of the acting is not very good and okay th this is my biggest complaint right so the 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 kind of purpose of a horror film and i i i i use that in contradistinction to something like a gothic film mm -hmm. is to generate tension right you have to you have to have a build up you have to have a kind of a moment of cathexis and the the big big ones in the Saw franchise have always been around bodily mutilation, right? What what are you gonna do to yourself in order to get through this? Mm -hmm. And the, this this film seems to have forgotten how to do this <laughs> on a kind of structural level, because like so many of the trap sequences, uh, usually involve the ones involving the cops, we know before we see the trap that they're already dead, mm -hmm. right? We know this because of how the film is is structured and edited together and so like the trap sequences there is no tension there is no fear uh, honestly a lot of the special effects are not really that good um so they're just a waste of time they're just there to pad the runtime um and it's like bowsman and whoever edited this kind of forgot how horror movies work yeah i mean like i know i know a lot of people like to call good horror movies thrillers but I think this is a horror movie that fails so bad at being a horror movie, it winds up just being a thriller that's tangentially connected into a horror franchise. But it's also not a very good thriller. And we'll get we'll get to that when we talk about the end in that that final revela revelatory sequence, which I, I can only describe as the single biggest fuck you to your fan base I have ever watched. Yeah, absolutely. Did Darren, Darren Lynn Bowsman and Chris Rock think that Saw, Fran Saw fans are like nine years old and, and can't remember <laughs> the previous Saw movies because they were born after they existed? Yeah, uh, this, movie, this movie hates you as a viewer. This movie thinks that you are... Um, uh, this movie thinks you're an idiot if you watch it. It's, it's um, simultaneously pandering to you and also mocking everything you could stand for. Um, it's it's not good. It's not good, and I I don't want to single out people. You know, we don't like to make things personal. But if we're going to talk about kind of uh, acting performances, uh, a lot of this rests upon our lead actor, um, and and wow, is Chris Rock embarrassing in this? <laughs> it it's it doesn't bad, work, folks. It really no no. It really does not work fundamentally his performance is is broken and that's because in he's so chris rock gets the idea to do a saw movie when he meets a studio exec at a, at a wedding in brazil and chris rock has been looking for a while to relaunch his career his comedy stuff isn't is not what it used to be right this is not the 90s anymore this is not the early 2000s you know chris rock the comedian that the sun has set on that and he is also he is also extremely divorced uh yeah that could definitely play into that <laughs> <laughs> but um so so he wants to rebrand as like a serious kind of horror actor that's the direction he's intentionally picking for himself right um so so they get to talking about the saw movie and and his his big thing for doing this movie is he's going to also write the script um, and he's writing lots of comedy into the script, right? 
So what you get is a movie that is constantly punctuated with Chris Rock's dated stand-up routine. And oh, it, it's the the opening, the opening, the opening bit, like his whole, like his whole shtick as a stand-up was on kind of uh, normative heterosexual gender differences, which, okay, fine, as far as it goes. Um, but it's like, this is so tonally dissonant mm-hmm. for what this film thinks it is, because it thinks it's like, it's like an updating of David Fincher's Seven. It yeah. thinks it's like incredibly cool and cutting edge and like innovative and what we get is like the most tired cliches of the genre married to this stand-up stuff which would be like cool in like 2011 this this dissonance is painful too because the movie is like it's trying to you're right it's trying to be seven again for the hundredth time um i guess for the ninth time but um what we wind up with is like this wild dissonance. Like imagine wheeling Louis CK into seven every 10 or 15 minutes, just for a bit or two and then wheeling him away. It's just insufferably weird. And I intentionally invoke Louis CK here because all of Chris Rock's comedy bits in this one, or most of them rather, I guess I shouldn't say all technically, but they're like, anti-woke anti-cancel culture bits like chris rock has an axe to grind that has nothing to do with what this movie is about or where this movie is trying to go i mean ironically it winds up being extremely reactionary like the rest of the text of the film but i think that's you know uh, an accident (laughs) uh formally structurally how this is put together um it's it's very boring it's padded to hell whatever plot there is is communicated incredibly poorly um the acting is awful um the the twist reveal i i promise you like at certain points when watching this i was mouthing along with what the next line was going to be the script is or like genuinely awful like just if you have seen if you have seen a cop show any time in the last 30 years you will be able to predict like 95% of the script um and and the ending is uh, the twist you can you you should be able to see coming with a good like an hour into the film. Okay, we need we need to talk like, about this then because this is part of the formalism zone. Yeah, yeah. So so the, the twist reveal is so Chris Rock is the bad cop, right? You know, he he he's 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 a cop who doesn't take no for an answer yeah. and he always works alone. Yeah, I, I don't play by your rules, chief. It's the just a, the most stock imaginable cop character. And so who who do we assign to as the partner? Well, you're getting a partner now, Zeke. And your partner is this absolute rookie greenhorn who who is super by the books, and it's it's just it's frustratingly simplistic, and mm-hmm. and like the 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 rookie cop is constantly saying stuff like I've always wanted this, I was meant to be here, I've worked so hard for this day to come, a blood red sun rises on your fate, Zeke. Like yeah, I'm 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 here to take revenge on you, Zeke. <laughs> yeah, if if you thought that Hoffman was the worst like evil cop who was trying to to be secretive, 
wait until you meet Zeke's new partner. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's the big twist at the end. The big twist at the end is he's he's actually the new Jigsaw. Um, and then he's when the, when the when that reveal guy. when that reveal is is made to us, something very important happens. And that's we get we get a replay of all of those scenes from the movie where but so we get so after the reveal that uh Zeke's partner Emerson is the new jigsaw, we get we get this amazing sequence that literally just replays all of Detective Emerson's evil lines from earlier. Where, where he's just saying, like, I'm doing everything I do for my father. I've worked so hard. Like all of these like moments where he's like, like, and then it's it's supposed to be like, oh, that was him. He's never been he's, he's never been lying. He's always been telling Zeke straight up what's going on. And like playing that back as a flashback in the movie doesn't add shock and gravitas. That's the kind of thing you deliberately do not play back. So that then your fans, when they love your movie and watch it again because they've loved your movie and they're watching it again, go, oh my God, did you know that Zeke is like, this is the viral YouTube video where it's just like, spiral colon from the book of Saw colon, was Emerson confessing all the time? Exclamation part, exclamation part, question mark. And the movie, the movie undercuts it because Darren Lynn Bowsman doesn't think that your memory lasts longer than about 15 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, ah, uh, formally, this is just nonsense. The, the twist is rubbish. You should be able, you will be able to see it coming. Um, it, it, it feels cheap. Yeah. Um, it, it feels very badly and very quickly made. Mm, intensely. Um, and, and like, like there, like the cliches in the writing just kind of pile up. Um, and like the thing that sort of really annoys me is that like even if you didn't like like let's say the earlier Saw films, even if you didn't didn't like them, there was something about their kind of very distinctive philosophical position, uh, and particularly Tobin Bell that probably made it kind of at least compelling. You wanted to see where this was all going. Um, that it had a distinct kind of flavor, you know. But this is like every nypd blue cliche you you've you've been kind of bombarded with but presented to you as if this was like a bold reinvention of the franchise and this was supposed to get a sequel and a tv show um those are both on pause right now but we'll see how that goes (laughs) yeah of course they're on pause because people have realized that this is absolute shit. <laughs> I, I, please no more. Please no more Saw movies. That's all I, I don't. I don't want any more of these fucking films. Um, okay, let's let's leave the formalism zone. This movie. This movie is derivative. It's tired. It's basically the equivalent of a diet that consists of nothing more than soylent powdered beverages. Yep. It's done. So as far as far as like the meat of this movie, and it's not like. It's not the formalist stuff that makes Spiral so bad. It's the discursive qualities of this film. That's what that's what causes this film to evolve into the completely insufferable salt the earth, seal all copies of Spiral in a vault, along with Darren Lynn Bowsman and Chris Rock. Yeah, let's 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 talk about that, shall we? Let's talk about let's talk about the discourse here. Because I, I honestly think this is where we get into the sort of really 
not even problematic, just like awful stuff. Yeah, no, and like the thing is here is like this is an important highlight to make. This isn't problematic. This is a deeply conservative film. This is a reactionary right view of the world that comes out of Spiral colon from the Book of Saw. We're, we're, we're not uh, uh, hemming and hawing and sawing back and forth on some like, oh, well, we could read this as a, a progressive feminist line with some kind of emancipatory political politic, but it's complicated by this. No, this is just like, the, 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 this movie is just a blast of right political ideology coming at your face. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I think, a very important distinction because if I, if I might throw this in and we could get the ball rolling with this, one of the movie's big focuses is on how, quote unquote, wokeness and cancel culture prevent our ability to make new art. Um, did, you, did you know that people, people are canceling like comedians for just telling Whoa. jokes now? Whoa, that sounds dangerous. Whoa. I know. I know. That was my attempt at doing a Joe Rogan bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, okay, so so here's here's something that happens in the movie, right? Um, Saw has, like, a formulaic structure to it that's kind of respectable. A lot of Saw movies have a cold open that involves other people being Saw-trapped that aren't really related to our main sequence of Saw-traps. Um, that, that's kind of like a how the Saw movie uh, uh, welcomes you. you. You get an appetizer. The chef, the chef Darren Lynn Bowsman or, or other directors and writers give you an amuse-bouche. You know, a little, a little <laughs> tasting menu for what you're going to receive in the rest of the movie. And honestly, I really like that about the Saw movies. I think that's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of cute in this weird little fancy way where it's like, it's like going to a dinner party with your other broke friends and they like manage to put together an amuse-bouche or something. It's great. Like this, this movie uh, uh, does that. So you you get the guy, this uh, crooked detective who lies on the stand, gets saw trapped, or whatever. He looks like Tom Colicchio from Top Chef, which kept making me feel really weird through that whole sequence. Yes, 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 he does. But like, <laughs> uh, so so after I recovered from watching Tom Colicchio get saw trapped, uh, we, we we move on to the heart of the movie, right? And we get we get Chris Rock. Who who's doing who's doing just literally like a Chris Rock stand up bit, um, but while he's doing it, he's getting like suited up with like guns and like gear and stuff, and and his whole bit is on like how you can't make you couldn't make certain movies today because culture's too woke, and one of one of his detectives is or I mean like we don't know their detectives at the time, but we find out that they're his like coworkers, his detectives is like yeah. whoa like like you woke now. And then Chris Rock is like, no, but like, you know, we, we couldn't make Forrest Gump today because of PC, you know, political correctness, cancel culture. And then they go like kill a bunch of people on a drug bust. It's. That's an aristocrats uh, like, joke that the movie doesn't do. Yeah. <laughs> this, some guy talking about how cancel culture prevents you from doing like hardcore gross stuff anymore while like stomping in someone's face. Like there's a good aristocrats joke. Uh, yes, absolutely. There is this, there is this idea that like, like, uh, this is all, like, he's, it's just a joke. He's doing a comedy bit, but also it's what this character sincerely believes and what he actually thinks. It's deeper than, it's what Chris Rock believes. Chris Rock is an outspoken critique of quote unquote cancel culture and wokeness because it somehow limits art. 
And, and just to be really clear here, there's no such thing as cancel culture. It doesn't exist. This is, this is people who are doing misogynistic, racist shit, having consequences for the first time in their careers for doing that stuff. You know, like, this isn't this is not being canceled. This is having consequences. The thing, the thing that sort of gets me is that, like, he's super defensive and protective over, over like, hack jokes about the wife we're in in, like, a decade ago. Yeah. And it's like, you're not, you're, like, you're not someone who's trying to put out any, anything challenging or interesting. This is, this is the most... Like the the big the big problem is is maybe not even the the offensive, gross nature of the material. It's that it's not funny. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's that that's another layer to it. Is this is it's it's someone with an extremely conservative, but also like dated by maybe ten years worldview. You know, like this is just him critiquing cancel culture isn't behind the times, but 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 the material that he's using to do it is so strangely selected and to speak on this strange selection i will invoke now my trap card because now we get to talk about forrest gump let's do it yes yes um so forrest gump i mean like it's a classic movie it's iconic it's wonderful it stars tom hanks uh returning horror vanguard celeb and star tom hanks um yeah so like so so here's the thing chris rock starts talking about how you couldn't make movies today and then he's talking about Forrest Gump and he's like oh you couldn't make Forrest Gump today because it's got all these political issues woven into it right um you know Forrest Gump has an unspecified condition right a a lot of people read Forrest Gump now as as being on the autism spectrum but but the movie never openly classifies Forrest Gump anyway you know and then the, the movie also like goes on to talk about AIDS and people with physical disabilities and like and the thing is, like, in, in a sense, Chris Rock is correct. You couldn't make Forrest Gump today. Uh, because if you made Forrest Gump today, you should, like, better represent the, the people that are in here, right? You know, like, you, you don't have to green screen away someone's legs when you when there are plenty of actors out there uh, who just don't have legs, right? You could hire an actor with these disabilities to play these roles, right? You, you could do actual material representation, right? And, and and this makes Forrest Gump such a telling target, right? Because because it's a soft target, you know. Like n- no one is gonna bris- no one bristles at Forrest Gump. There's not like massive Forrest Gump cancel pieces floating around the internet. There's a lot of Forrest Gump discourse and and discussing the movie, but like cannons aren't aimed at the peak of Tom Hanks's career. You know, it's it's such a baffling selection for me, right? Like, that's that's not. Oh, it is it is such an oversimplified. It reminds me of the way that like Ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson and and those kinds of guys talk about contemporary political issues because what they do when they talk about these issues is they straw man, right? They they, they select a soft target that they know is ridiculous to talk about. Because then when you try to bring up counterpoints about it, you sound ridiculous. You know, if we, if we have to have a serious conversation about represent, representative politics inside of Forrest Gump through the lens of Spiral, colon, from the Book of Saw, it's ridiculous. And it's falling into that same conservative framework. And also, and also it's in the service of like, 
of just jokes that are so dated and so and so stale and so like just unoriginal. Um, Forrest Gump came out in 1994, yeah, and this this film came out in 2021, and this is like this is a big like we're going to show how cool our protagonist and f- how funny and how kind of up to date they are. And we're making jokes from the mid nineties. It's like, come, come on. Like then there's this whole bit where our kind of grizzled detective, our cynical loner who doesn't play by the rules has a talk with the greenhorn rookie. And it's like, you know what? Being a cop means that your wife's probably going to cheat on you. And it's like, this is like, this is like, uh, another like mid nineties Chris Rock bit that somehow found our found its way into our film that is being made thirty years later. Yeah, it's like you know, you know, his character is basically going, "Take my wife, please," <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he's so he's so cool. <laughs> and and the thing about that is like that stuff is just like absolutely wretched. It's not funny. It's out of context with the rest of the movie. It's it's out of context with Zeke's character and, and all of the things we set up about Zeke's character that should be the Zeke's character should have been likable for, for first off, right? You know, he he's he's like an internal affairs guy, right? He ratted out some crooked cops and now he's at odds with the rest of his department including his father who used to be the chief. That that we we should have a lot of sympathy for him, right? Because he did the right thing. You know, in, in the logic of the movie, right? And in, in kind of this like centrist logic of policing and politics, he did he did the right thing. He stood up when other cops were doing wrong and he fought for justice in a more platonic sense. But Zeke's character is so foul, is, is so like full of hatred for everything and everyone around him. He is just mean and mad and 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 cruel to every single thing and everyone that it's just like I have n- I don't care what happens to Zeke. I'm not interested in, in his character. There's not and then like everyone around him stews in this. Everyone around him stews in his anger, which makes all of the characters in this movie unlikable. Yes, I, unless I actually that that brings up a really good point. Let's talk about the fact that this film is trying to make a social critique, right? This this film is trying to engage in in a conversation around um, the nature and and form of policing as an institution, right? It's, that's what it's trying to do. That's its kind of like platonic ideal of what this film is doing. However, right? <laughs> um, Every single one of the other police officer characters in this film are presented as so absurdly amoral, as as being so kind of like almost almost like without any kind of empathy at all. That any sort of moral critique loses any uh, force or or uh, explanatory potential. Like the rest of the police department are essentially uh, pantomime villains who hate the protagonist for very poorly expressed reasons. Um, and so when you see these people like get put in sore traps, you not, not only do you not get any sense of like um, moral complexity, any kind of like characterizing shade of gray, um, but you, all you get is like a, Oh, well good. And it's like, 
at the same time, this film is also like engaging in the some bad apples discourse. Mm-hmm. You know, going, oh, oh, it's only some cops which are bad and are like genuine serial killer level monsters that you should be glad are going to get their fingers ripped off or their tongues torn out. Um, and it's like this, this, this social and moral critique does not work because it's done by, um, by, an, by what I can only assume it was written and directed by cowards who thought that the best way of doing this was to was to engage in the most mild uh milk toast centrism where you go well, well if only we had more good cops and even the cop who is held up literally it's literally said in the film oh zeke is a good cop uh when we're shown that actually no he isn't on any level whatsoever but because this film uh goes it, this film is aware of the concept that systemic critique exists, but it has literally no idea how to make one happen. Yes. So I think like really quickly to highlight, Zeke is an incredibly crooked cop. Y- you know, like, sure, he ratted out uh, a quote unquote killer cop uh, as, as part of the movie's inciting events. But, you know, like everything he does is cruel and vindictive to everyone around him. He has no regard for any like any of the kind of like democratic liberal centrist like oh like he he should get a warrant before entering that building you know he's got no regard for those rules and in and above and beyond that we even get a scene where where he breaks a man's leg to the point where it has a compound fracture with the bone sticking out and takes a selfie with the wound like he he yeah. is the <laughs> cruelest imaginable cop this makes maniac cop from the movie maniac cop look like barney fife uh yes yeah absolutely um the the idea that we're supposed to go oh yeah you're right spiral colon from the book of saw he is the good (laughs) cop and it's and it is right that these other cops who hated him uh get their tongues torn out it's, it's just complete nonsense because once again, this is the big problem of um, Jigsaw as well, which is that it makes the kind of underlying philosophical ideas of the Saw front franchise into something which are focalized entirely through personal animosity. Yeah. Right. It just, it just undercuts every, like for all of, for all of their, their stupidity and all of their like poorly thought through ideas, at least there were some ideas but this one again is just another kind of like, you know, the thin blue line do a tough job, and we should, we should make sure there are more good cops on the force. And it's like, the the text of the film itself undercuts this uh, message that the film is trying to project, Be- because, like I say, it's it's made and written by by cowards who didn't want to annoy potential audience. And I think, I mean, like, even beyond that, like, so an interview, so this movie was filmed in 2019. Uh, so before the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests here in America, which got international recognition, incredibly important political event in not only our nation's history, but also global history, right? Uh, a truly a sea change. This movie is filmed one year before this. H- however, uh, worth putting on the record here that Black Lives Matter predates 2020 fairly significantly. Yes, absolutely. It was just that in 2020, there was the, the latest public iteration of uprisings 
riots and and uh, and and revolt. Yeah, and so we have a situation here where so this movie comes out in 2021, and a lot of interviewers ask Chris Rock and Darren Lynn Bowsman like, "Oh my God, like, were you doing this as a critique and a commentary? Were you doing this engaged with the discourse emerging from Black Lives Matter?" And both of them said, "No, it just kind of lined up that way," which is either. Uh, what you're saying, they are completely ignorant of these political issues and they have no idea how to say anything. Or two, they're absolute cowards and they're afraid to say, yes, we have something to say about it because that will get backlash from people who disagree with their position. Either way, they fail. This, yeah, this is a horror movie for like uh, moderate libs who think that people who wear Blue Lives Matter patches have a few good points. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This is this is the most like, oh, this film this film there's so much to this is going to be such a long mini episode. <laughs> like choose this is the thing that annoys me right choose at least at least have the kind of courage of your convictions to be like actually either pol policing is either systemically bad, um, policing as it's currently constituted, is either systemically prone to violence, racism, discrimination, and its own failures to actually protect communities. Or it isn't like this. This 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 desperate kind of pivot the film does, which is like, oh, we have our good cop who likes to to torture people and ignore the law that they are supposedly an upholder of, versus all of these bad these bad these cartoonish villains who absolutely deserve to be brutally tortured with no chance of learning anything, and that's our saw movie. It's like, come on, yeah a massive eye roll and there's a lot of like commentary on this movie uh where, where it attempts to discuss spiral colon the book of saw from the book of saw i'm so sorry as being a good horror movie and i'm i'm choking on the words uh because of its proximity to the black lives matter protests and what that movement stands for right like defunding and abolishing police departments an incredibly important issue right restoring the power of communities back to the community itself uh this movie uh does not agree with black lives matter this movie is is very much like this movie shares Joe Biden's sentiment where it's like, oh, we should probably... The problem with policing is we don't give them enough money. Yes. Uh, you know, of, oh, if... Like, we don't need... We don't need... We don't need to abolish... What we need is we need more good police. And it's like... If your standard for good is... Is Zeke here. Um... And it's it's on a level that is so personal, right? It completely forsakes the the idea of a kind of like system of understanding, which even the earlier Saw movies, in their imperfect and incomplete way, got. Um, what you have is this basically politically incoherent film that gestures and kind of like uh, points at something bigger, but does not get what any of that really means or signifies and and like like so much of this movie is deeply frustrating because in the final sequence where emerson is explaining why he's doing what he's doing uh so emerson's father was the guy who was killed by the corrupt cop that chris chris rock's character zeke turns in before the events of the movie right that this is this is what drives emerson on on his lifelong quest to become the new spiral or the new jigsaw rather um 
and so in, in that final sequence where Emerson is kind of explaining everything he's doing, he's explaining the movie we just watched. Um, he, he specifically outlines that like he starts talking about systemic issues around policing in, in such a manner that suggests to me that someone with their hands on the script, maybe Chris Rock, maybe one of the other people they hired to do touch-ups um, later on, was like aware of that phrasing and inserted it in because, oh, like that's the kind of language that people use when they're being critical, critical of policing. But in the context yeah. of the movie itself, like it's, it's, it's just, it's 100% what you said. It's just doing like one bad apple spoils the bunch. If we get rid of these bad apples, we'll have a bunch of good cops in Mayberry again. And, and that's, that's just the film. And, and for me, like one of the things that's just so vulgar, vulgar about this is let's talk about Samuel Jackson for a second. Oh, yeah. So so Samuel Jackson, the badass is badass, is in this movie. He plays Chris Rock's father, the former police chief. Um, we, we get a lot of stuff that's thrown away here that could have been really interesting. Chris Rock and his father have an incredibly strained relationship, right? Chris Rock's turning in the crooked cop uh, caused a lot of trouble for his dad, the police chief. Now they're in, they've been in conflict his entire adult life based out of this issue, Right. None of that is ever addressed or resolved. Shrug. And we, we have the sequence at the end that in, in vacuo is incredibly powerful. Right. Because it's Samuel Jackson uh, strung up as a marionette with his blood being drained. And, and of course, Chris Rock has to decide, like, does he shoot Emerson and capture the bad guy or does he free his father from a saw trap? And thereby realize that the saw traps are the moral and just and correct way to proceed. And he should work with Emerson as his inside man. He frees his father, but then attempts to betray Emerson again, which causes Emerson to trigger a backup trap. Wherein Samuel Jackson is raised back up in, in, into the marionette structure. And, and it turns out, and, all, and then he's backlit. Like a bunch of, a bunch of floodlights pop up behind him. So, he, so he's backlit. So it's hard to see. You can't see who it is or what he's really doing. And then the marionette uh, apparatus that he's connected into raises his arm and like a, a shotgun barrel pops out of like a little metal thing that was attached on his arm. Um, all the SWAT, the SWAT team uh, that Emerson alerted earlier breaks into the room and thinking Samuel Jackson is armed, shoots him to death. That's, that's in a vacuum. That's an incredibly powerful sequence, right? There, there are so many, you know, like black men here in America who are shot by the police for holding anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Toy guns, cell phones, it doesn't matter, right? Because the presumption is armed and dangerous or whatever. And like that's that's the symbology we're referencing here. It's this poignant, this is powerful, this is useful. It is washed away immediately with the text of the film. It is washed away immediately with this this like blind adoration to personal vengeance. And, and no acknowledgement or actually grappling with what a systemic issue is. Yes, absolutely. There are people who have kind of said that, like, isn't this a kind of profound statement? You know, this this ending, it's kind of very bleak indictment. And it's like, no, it isn't. No, it absolutely isn't. Um, and if you think that it is, you haven't been paying attention to the film and the world and the kind of ideas of, of Spiral. Um, because... Once again, everything about the kind of um, the the systemic complex forces that lead people to behave in certain ways are boiled down to a kind of crude, 
empty of content morality play where people are either good and virtuous no matter what they do or they are irredeemably awful and deserve whatever kind of extreme punishment you might be able to dole out. Um, this film has no interest in making any kind of um, uh, affirmative or c- concrete critique of the world that it is directed towards. Um, it is it is a profoundly ideologically film, ideologically driven film. It is prof- profoundly regressive, reactionary film, um, and it is intended to to make points designed to revive the flagging career of someone whose comedy hasn't been relevant for a decade or more. That that should be our letterboxed review. Slap some quotes on that bad boy. <laughs> Zero stars. We're out. I, I, I think, though, that, like, th- there's a massive incoherence that, that that's, the, that's the fissure, right? That, that, that's the stress fracture that's taking this entire movie down with it. It's attempting to to kind of have its cake and eat it too. It's attempting to be edgy in a way and be like, oh well, there are bad cops out there, but but also it's not it's not a really big issue. We just need more internal affairs agents doing you know uh, we need we need like a, a seminar on proper language and PC terminology as part of the police academy program, right? It, it's it's trying to like walk that line. And, and it walks that line right into a saw trap. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, it's it's so disappointing, this film. It's so disappointing because it, sh- it reveals what these uh, kind of like, what the producers, what the director, and what the writer, what the lead actually think about the kind of current social situation that they're trying to create art within. And it's like, this, this is it. This is what, this is, you know, the brave truth telling this warm, warmed over pile of like fake blood and tired cliches is what you're presenting. Like how, like how dare you? How dare you kind of try and try and pretend that this is something sort of like interesting and profound that you're you're giving us? Like, I, I, you know, for for all of their for all of their many flaws, um, the earlier Saw franchise had had something that which this doesn't, which is like a distinctive point of view and occasionally in flashes the courage to carry that distinctive point of view through to its logical conclusion. Um, like I say, this is a horror movie for centrists who think that blue lives matter are like, yeah, they're, they're probably okay, but will never entertain anything that would, would uh, come from like uh, the BLM movement or, or the movement for the abolition of police. Like it, it's, it's, it's cowardly. It's deeply cowardly. This movie is essentially what would happen if you transformed a New York Times op-ed that was something like, like uh, uh, research shows that women don't swipe right on men with black or with uh, bl- uh, thin blue line T-shirts. Uh, uh, why is that? Question mark. If that if that article <laughs> was synthesized into a human who wrote a saw script. That is how we arrive at Spiral, colon, from the Book of Saw. And ah, so like, like Darren Lynn Bowsman and Rock are attempting to have this kind of dialogue on race and policing in America. But, but they wind up grinding it all down into this kind of vacuous spectacle, right? Like, like everything yeah. is collapsed into this soup-like homogenate of, of 
identity and signifiers and these kind of like cultural tokens. And and it's just, it winds up stripping out all of the power of their message because at the end of the day, bad people are just bad. There, there is nothing to salvage in the world of Spiral. Uh, there's no way yeah, forward. Yeah, the, like a, a great way of proving this is that there is, in those traps, there is nothing to learn and almost no way to get out. Yeah. And so, so the whole point is like, why did this need to be a saw film? It didn't. It it absolutely didn't. And it it's it, what it is is Darren Lynn Bowsman making his own saw fan fiction. This is um like we don't like to say that we have nemesis uh, a <laughs> nemesis on the show, but uh Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky is on the list and now like clearly he Darren Lynn Bowsman is another Darren and he goes on the list too. We we have Darren's uh, we have a Darren problem here in the horror vanguard crypt. If anyone can help us with that, please get in touch. <laughs> uh, and like, um, so do you have? Sorry, go on, go on. Oh, I I I, I could go on all day about things about this movie. Whomst upset me? Um, we need to talk about crack punk really quickly. Um, in the moment in this movie where just like my world collapsed. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let me let me set yes, this up. Yes, please. So. So a cop which is, who is killed at the beginning in the cold open is last seen in the company of a um, a kind of street hustler and meth addict. Um, they track down where the, the the house from which our street hustler buys his drugs um, and kind of con their way inside. They don't have a warrant. They just decide they're going to storm the place because they're the good guys. Yeah. Uh, pr- proceed proceed <laughs> so uh they begin to storm th- this place and a character which is only referred to as crack punk in the credits the character did not get a name um it's it's world famous magician chris ramsey and uh uh maybe i don't know if i've ever said this before on the show i'm like a, a, a hobby magician i love magic tricks and magician history and learning magic tricks and sleight of hand and mentalism that's like a hobby of mine. Um, I have a lot of the illusionist products. I have a lot of Chris Ramsey's products. I'm like a fan of this stuff. And in like mm-hmm. Chris Ramsey and all of his other media has this kind of like edgy, cool thing that he goes for, right? Like he would be much more at home as like a kind of uh, like a con man in an Ocean's Eleven reboot than as like a guy who just gets blown up and screams and and I don't I have no idea how he got in this movie, but so I ha- I have the illusion sitting on my shelf right behind me. I have the illusionist how to be a magician kit, and it's like three hours of Chris Ramsey just going like, "Here's how you do a, a, a Cardini change." Like, and I my brain fried for a second there, but this scene winds up being discursively important beyond the, the fact that somehow this how to be a magician guy is in spiral and gets his leg broken in half and his face exploded. But like that scene, we talked about it a a bit earlier. Like, so like Chris rock and assistant storm the building, uh, uh, do untold damage, totally ignore everyone, abuse the fact that people have severe like substance use problems uh, uh, to gain entry into this building, blow up a little like ink bomb thing. in in Chris, Chris Ramsey's character's face and then, like, throw him to the ground to the point where his leg breaks in half. 
and then Chris Rock takes a selfie <laughs> with the wound while they try and interrogate him for information on to find their next lead, right? And Chris Rock is supposed to be like the good cop on on whose shoulders all goodness in policing rests. <sighs> there, there, there's something about this that like one could make the argument that the entire film as a textual body then becomes a meta commentary that, oh, there are no good cops because even the good cop is extremely vulgar, right? He's even, he is put in this irredeemable position. But the problem with that kind of overarching argument you could try to do about Saw is there's nothing textually to defend that. The movie is 100% into the idea of Chris Rock being this beset upon hero who's yeah. got the weight of the world on his shoulders and he and he's become edgy and jaded because he tried to be good and it didn't work out for him yeah because because the world is just too too corrupt and simultaneously woke and sensitive and that and that for me was really troubling because that's fascist discourse i'm not calling this movie fascist i'm not saying any of the people involved in it are fascist etc and so forth but like that 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 positioning where your enemy is simultaneously invincible everywhere behind everything bad and all powerful but also completely degenerate totally corrupt and the weakest people alive that that is literally how fascists have always described the the people they're looking to exterminate and 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 to see that logic exude out of this movie is incredibly troubling as part of the body of this um yeah that that whole scene that whole scene where where, uh, and this is this involves a character who will later on tell Zeke, you're a good cop, you know, you do the right thing. You know, it's only a little bit of torturing suspects who have no, who, who, who have no connection to the case that you're investigating. Oh, and like, to, to go back to the Forrest Gump thing for a second. The, the the idea that like cancel culture is is bad because we couldn't remake Forrest Gump in 2021 is is so baffling to me and and I I feel like there's this major hang up that the movie causes when it invokes this right but because you know like I already talked about how the the movie is kind of this failed aristocrats joke extending from that kind of founding moment but there, there's something like the point. The point isn't to like, no no one is looking. So I, I personally am looking to collect every single copy of Spiral colon from the Book of Saw uh, and lock them in a vault in the bottom of the ocean in, in, in some subaquatic volcano, right? That even, that even like a, a Star Trek alien race technology would not be able to reconstitute from the particles that it's disintegrated into. No one wants to do that with Forrest Gump. Right. Like the, the point of talking about like, because we can problematize Tom Hanks portrayal of someone who potentially has autism. We can problematize how that movie uses AIDS. We can problematize how that movie uses disability. We can have these conversations. The point of those conversations isn't to condemn Forrest Gump to the wasteland. The point of those conversations is to move through the fact we live in a society that that directly subjugates objectifies and harms people who are being represented these ways in these movies right and and, and chris rock doesn't see himself that way right chris rock sees himself like louis ck a comedian who 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 one day will make a bad joke and then be 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 sentenced to the island of misfit toys for forever by pop culture 
when, when that is not what happened. This is, this is the most self-centered, individualized way of, of looking at these things and moving through these spaces that, that because it's where this movie starts with this stand-up bit about Forrest Gump, it, it, it cracks the rest of the film. Um, okay. Any, any, any final thoughts on, on our hellish journey through the Saw franchise? My last comment about this movie specifically. Um, so there's a new police chief. And oh, oh, so the police chief is now a woman after uh, um, Samuel Jackson's character is now retired. So the new police chief is a woman, which, uh, uh, yay, girl boss. Now, now the corrupt ruler of this city's police department is a lady. But uh, in the script, that character is written as a man and is, uh, was originally referred to as a man. They just kind of found this other person and they switched it over. Uh, so any commentary there is entirely incidental. But her saw trap scene um, is she's, she's just strapped to a table and hot wax is going to waterboard her to death. It's, it doesn't. The thing about saw traps is, is, is that they're, they kind of like speak to something about that character, something about their failing. I, I, I kept thinking about Chester Bennington's scene, right? In, in, as being one of the most hack kind of ways of a saw trap being expressive of something, you know, j- jigsaw being like, you only judged people for their skin. I'm going to make you judge people for what's beneath by hot gluing you to a car seat. So you have to pull your skin off. Gotcha. And like, there, there's always this kind of fairy tale moralizing in a saw trap. There's no fairy tale moralizing in any of these saw traps outside of the one that maybe Tom Colicchio is in uh, because yeah. he, he lies on the stand and now he must rip out his lying tongue. And, I, you know, the finger, oh, uh, rip your fingers off because you shot people and you can you can't shoot people anymore without fingers. It's it, they're much. We- <laughs> yeah, it's much weaker this time around. <laughs> that's that's what this film actually says. <laughs> a, a little a little thing about new police chief saw trap. The CG steam coming out of the evil wax machine oh it's awful is, it's so bad it's 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 a it's a it's a nintendo 64 cutscene steam oh and Ugh. can i also can i also just add that the 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 escape route for the sword trap mm-hmm. is um and i am not making this up for her to sever sever her own spinal cord yes um so so that she so so that she will and I quote not be able to walk away from the consequences of her actions and and I mean absolutely <laughs> forgive me here I'm not a medical expert of 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 the way the the machinery of our flesh operates but I, I think if I were to slam my head or the back of my neck down onto a, a giant meat cleaver looking blade I would just be dead and not. Paralyzed from the waist down, which what this movie is going for, I think it's the most her her trap should have been if it's not walk away, it it should be like, oh, you have to like stick your legs and you you have to make a you you have to make a a, a, because this whole movie is dated by 10 years, right? You have to make a a does it blend YouTube video, but with your own legs. (laughs) Blend tech does it blend. Uh, You've walked away from too many illicit activities. You will never walk again to save your life. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And the CG steam, I, I'm sorry, when I saw the CG steam, I think I had like my, my brain just just cosmically imploded. And I saw Azathoth and, and the full arc of time in the universe. And 
spiral colon from the book of saw glaring like some evil ruby in the heart of all time and space and i was just immensely crushed in that moment uh yes yeah um it's it's just it's just so dis, dis, dispiriting let's let's wrap up but our let's, journey let's kind of yeah so so how about how about you uh let's let's you you I'm 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 gonna pull a saw eight on you. Uh, uh, you go first. How was your How's your saw experience been? One through spiral colon from the Wigger Saw. You know, weirdly, weirdly, I sort of like bits of the earlier films slightly more after sitting through Jigsaw and Spiral. Um, yeah, yeah. I I I I absolutely like Saw Six, which is about the healthcare system, much more than Spiral which is about another big systemic social issue. Um, and, and what I think is, what I think is fascinating is how a derivative, although kind of like uniquely envisioned idea, like a, a, a kind of grimy neo-industrial new metal take on the locked room mystery was slowly kind of like, just uh, kind of like hollowed out and left as nothing more than a series of aesthetic gestures in these last two films. Um, and like, you know what? I th- My big takeaway is good for James Wan and Lee Winnell, uh, who have gone on to like have incredibly successful careers. And it's like, if I can sell my first feature in the same way, then, you know, Godspeed. But like what's so kind of dispiriting is the extent to which the people who have returned to the franchise in 2017 and 2021 do not get on a foundational level why these films work. What about you? For me, it's it's been quite a harrowing battle. Um, I've never been big into the Saw movies, but now I, I really like the first Saw now. I look back at the first Saw and I, I, I no longer see it as a bad horror movie. I now see it as a, a, a novice first attempt, a, a, a bold striking out, right? Like all first journeys into the unknown, it's going to fail. If you're breaking new ground, you must embrace the fact that by the completion of your journey, you will not have completed some true objective, right you're 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 testing out new things that other people are going to work out the kinks in later on and it's it's seven but a one man or like a two man stage play right in, in one room it's it's interesting it's it's fresh it's weird it's it's got it's it's nowhere near blair witch project but it's got a lot of the charm that makes blair witch project one of the greatest horror movies of all time and like Saw is is interesting and it's endearing and it needs to be respected. Um, James yeah. Wan, his career attests to this, right? You know, he, he's gone on to make a lot of really solid horror movies, launch his own new franchises again and again. Like he's proven himself. He knows what he's doing. He cut his teeth with Saw and now James Wan is a household name in the horror scene. Darren Lynn Bowsman? I, I just, I can't help but think why in the world would you not just keep making uh repo like repo is amazing and you just keep doing these saw movies and i don't know if that's like yeah i mean sure we all have to keep the lights on but is that is that truly it It, you know was repo was a fluke in darren lynn bowsman's career now and that's like 
I can't help but see that like, okay, it, it, then it wasn't Darren Lynn Bowsman. It was like Anthony Head and the rest of this amazing cast of actors and all these other talented people that poured into that movie in spite of Darren Lynn Bowsman. Yes. Agreed. Um, agreed. And uh, and honestly, you know, what really makes Spiral so sort of like, uh, kind of just just grim is when you look at it, you realize that Bowsman has not evolved or changed or acquired any new artistic interests or expressions since Saw Two. And this just makes me think like, he's just cashing checks. Yeah, you know, he 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 just wakes up and like you know we talked about this in a, in a previous uh, Saw miniseries episode, but horror is a very stable investment if you're looking to make money in movies horror movies almost as a rule will make two or three times their budget but that's because their budget is tiny you know even spiral made some money and this was released during covid which is a testament to to that it probably would have made a lot more money if it wasn't for the pandemic and and i cannot but like darren lynn bowsman's lack of any kind of direction or inspiration or vision to see something different it's like he's chasing that first Saw movie forever and ever and ever now. Well, we have made it. We have we have made it out of the warehouse. We have made it out of the meatpacking plant. We have kicked through the wooden slats of the barn. And we have somehow gotten to the end of the Saw franchise. Thank you so much for suffering along with us. All, all I want to say is I really do hope that people go back and watch some of the earlier Saw films because they are much more fun than anything that's been made in the last five years. Um, the, the, you know, Jigsaw is very boring. Uh, Spiral is actively reactionary. Um, but like, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird franchise. It's a deeply weird franchise. Um, final chapter was the final chapter. I am absolutely really going to go back and, and in a single, like, some sleepy Sunday Sunday afternoon, I'm going to marathon Saw through Saw 7, a.k.a. 3D, a.k.a. the final chapter. Because those movies, there's a charm to their wayward simplicity, lack of direction, convoluted plot, goofiness. You know, like, they're just bad. They're, they're the kind of so bad they're good. Uh, barring Saw One, which is legitimately good, but this, but Spyro and yeah, Jigsaw. I don't know. Jigsaw is super forgettable. I, I mean, like I, I, I feel about that movie the same way I feel about a lot of Marvel movies, and that it enters my brain and then immediately leaves. But, but this, this, I'm going to be mad about for a while. Yeah, this <laughs> Spiral should weigh on the soul. Spiral is a condemnation of our society and and the point we've reached. Uh, uh, Spiral calls us into question as film critics, right? Why aren't we doing a better job? You know, why why wasn't this movie lashed to 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 a, a stone <laughs> and hurled into the sun? You, you know, like Spiral is a condemnation of everything about neoliberal capitalistic society founded on on white supremacy and colonialism and misogyny it, it is it is the living embodiment of the sin of our culture and and it demands that we stand up to face it head on if anything i am glad for spiral for for solidifying some of my anger 
it, in, in into this kind of uh, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 14 lately so forgive me this like paladin's armor right you know like like ready to ready to tank the fight now that I have weathered this storm we hope you've enjoyed the dread discourse until next week stay spooky